0: Everybody bring some word today. If you brought a Bible or your smartphone or something with, a, with the word in it, let's get it out. And let's go today to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is found right before 2 Peter. Just trying to help. 1 Peter chapter 2. And of course, you know where that is, right? <laughs> I want to get into some things today and talk to you some more about this subject we, we initiated a few weeks ago. Series titled Give It to God. And, and I want to get, begin to uh, further adopt the thinking of God regarding what we present and offer to Him. All right, we want God's perspective. So that whenever we approach Him and worship Him and offer things to Him, we know what He's pleased with, we know how we are supposed to approach it, and, and we do it in such a way where it's fruitful, it's productive, it, it, has a, it has a positive impact on us, and it's not just something that we do out of religion, out of requirements, um, out out, just as a result of some kind of rule or even a tradition, but we do it from a position of revelation, See, when I understand the will of God, the, the, I understand what, what pleases Him, what He desires, then when I respond to that, I can not only do it in faith, but I can do so with His involvement in the process, okay? Everything that we do for the Lord should be done out of revelation, meaning I, I found something that He wants, that He gets involved with, something that He has promised, something that He has said, and I act upon that. Uh, even things that we do regularly uh, like, like baptize uh, individuals in water. That's not supposed to be just some religious experience. It's not just supposed to be some religious duty, some obligation, some prerequisite to heaven. No, it is supposed to have a profound impact on the person's life who has already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All right, And if it doesn't, the person doesn't understand what it's for. They don't understand what's really happening there. All right, when we receive communion and do those uh, uh, th- th- those ordinances, how many know that's not designed just so that you know God can say, "Well, I got them all busy. I've got them all doing religious activity." No, it's supposed to be a. A conscious thing it brings things to our remembrance it keeps us mindful of the his blood shed and his body broken for us and it produces a real tangible result of righteousness consciousness of healing in our body and if it's not producing those things then we don't have the revelation we don't understand what it's all about we're going through the rituals without the power everybody with me today so this is all true concerning all those things and many more, and most certainly concerning what we offer up to the Lord. Now let's read our verse once again, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. It reads this way, "...you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ." And so just like the, the, the select few, the priests of the old covenant from the tribe of Levi and so forth, uh, how they were designated as the ones that would offer things up to God, now in the new covenant, in this new dispensation that we live in, All believers, everyone who's been saved, is called a priest before God, a holy priesthood. And one of our functions then, one of the things we are to do with God's involvement, with a revelation from Him, is that we offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Amen. And we can do so in a way that's acceptable to Him. But if I can do it in an acceptable way, then it must also be possible that I could do it in an unacceptable way. So I want to make sure and have God's heart, have His mind. I want to think like God thinks about this subject and, of course, everything else. But I don't want to be trained and just steeped in tradition, steeped in religion, steeped in the way things have always been done in my past or my family's past. No, I really want to know. I must know what thus saith the Lord about this. I need to know God's heart, then I can... I can do things right. I can be, like we've talked about in previous weeks, I can be Abel instead of Cain. Cain brought an offering. The Bible called it evil. I mean, seriously, an evil offering before the Lord. Abel brought one. It was called more excellent. It was a more excellent. He did it by faith. God was pleased with it. And I want to be on that side of this this whole deal. Anybody with me on this? Okay, Uh, and so we've been looking at the quality of a person's gift to determine if it's acceptable to God, all right? Uh, The value something has with you, it determines the value it has to God in being presented to him. In other words, if it means nothing to you, don't give it to God because he's not happy with it and you're just going through the motions, you might as well keep it. You might as well take it to the mall. Huh? You might, as well, you might as well spend it on something else. Amen. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that we do, even being here together today. This can be a, this time we have together, this short amount of time, can be highly beneficial to us, or it could be nothing. It could be man, I wish I would have slept in. And see, I think that probably happens continually in gatherings like this. Some people are highly um, benefited. They, they benefit much from it. They go up. They are, they're increased as a result. And others, it didn't really make a difference in their life. But it's not because God is picking out one and saying, I like you, don't like you, yay for you, and it stinks to be you. And uh, no, it's, that's, not, that's not what's going on. But it is our heart, it is our response, it is our expectation, it is our ability to do what we do knowing the reason behind it, knowing, uh, having a proper motivation and understanding of His kingdom and how He operates that, per, that, that allows gatherings like this, time spent, offerings given, songs sung, uh, you know, hugs given, everything we do to have a spiritual um, aspect to it that makes it of value. All right. Now, um, what if 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 someone today? We talked a little bit about Cain and Abel. We we, we read from from Malachi last week. What, what what if someone today? What if a preacher today said to someone regarding their offering that it wasn't good enough? You know, what if you gave an offering to the Lord and some preacher said, well, you know, the Lord didn't accept that. By the way, <laughs> he said that was a or they you know they despised your offering. And they said that's pretty pathetic. You got to do better. You know, I mean, people would not probably respond too favorably to that. Uh, might be a little offended by that. But, but listen, that's exactly what Malachi did. Malachi, the prophet, he was speaking by the word of the Lord, but how many know the word of the Lord it usually comes through a person? And he was telling people, he was getting on the, the priests of their day, saying, you guys are bringing junk. And the Lord's not happy with it, and he's not accepting it. And so we should be aware that that does happen. Whether we have that revelation or not is a whole other thing, that that is a reality of something that happens in this relationship with God. And uh, I know this, when we're talking about offering spiritual sacrifices, we're not just talking about money. We're not just talking about material things. We're talking about all aspects of our lives, okay? And there are many ways, there are many different things we can offer up to the Lord. It's worship to Him and it can be accepted by Him, amen, Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to dismiss that part of it. Because that would be easy to do, huh? You know, when you go on the water to get baptized, you hold up your wallet. <laughs> Give it all to you, Lord! <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's the idea, well, uh, I'm going to worship the Lord in certain ways, and then we choose our favorite ways, maybe the ones that are least destructive to what we already have. And, and we choose to say, this is my preferred way of worshiping God. No, I should seek His way of me worshiping Him. And that includes all my heart and all my life and everything that's in my life, everything that's under my control. Amen. This is, see, we seek the heart of God. I know some individuals have told me over the years, they say, well, I don't have much, so I give to the Lord in other ways. I give of my time and I give of my ability. And I think that's great. I think that's of value. And I think those gifts can be received of God. I would caution the individual that thinks like that, though, to not make it exclusive. Not just say, well, I don't have much, so I can't give of things like other people can. No, it just means what little you have is probably very precious to God when you offer it to Him. No one should be excluded from from being able to worship God in that way, because with the Lord, it's not about amount. It is about... uh, What's left? It's about percentage. It's about wh- what it's coming from. And so no one should be excluded from this type of, of commitment and worship and dedication to the Lord. Amen. Now, like I said, we were, we've studied and looked a little bit at, at Cain and Abel and that first offering mentioned there in the Bible. And I want to look at another one. We're looking at actually a couple of them. Uh, one of them is found in Genesis 8 and it has to do with Noah. Okay, now you know the story of Noah, the flood, the ark, the animals that that came onto the ark. How how many animals were on the ark? How many of each kind? Two, but there's an exception to that, you know. You remember there were also some uh, certain animals and birds that were called clean animals, and, and actually it was more than two, it was seven of those. Okay, but most animals, it was two, and then there was seven. And when that whole ordeal finally finished up, uh, you know, the waters had receded. They'd been on that stinky ark for a long time, and they finally were able to get off. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of thankfulness for God preserving their lives and so so forth. Uh, It's interesting what Noah does right away. You know what he did? You can probably guess where this is going. One of the very first things he did is he offered something up to God. He started worshiping God with, now watch, some of the animals. Let's, let's read here a minute. Genesis 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, if any time... Someone might question whether it's wise to give something away. This might be one of them. Not a whole lot of animals left. Huh? I mean, all species would be considered endangered. You know, if there were activist groups around at the time, uh, this would not go over well with them. <laughs> You're gonna do what? We have how many of those left? And you're going to sacrifice them to the Lord? You're going to kill them? It would be a big uproar, wouldn't it? But what we can see is because there were so very few, those few were also very precious. Those few were of great value to Noah, to those who were there. And because they were of value to them, they were also of value to the Lord. And so what happened? He offered them, and verse 21, the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Now, did that that smell come all the way up to heaven? Did it go all the way up into planet heaven? Well, I don't think literally it did. I'm going to show you that later. Uh, a parallel of this, but I don't think literally that smoke actually went all the way up through the atmosphere and through the second heaven and reached that planet heaven, and, uh, and, and everybody in heaven smelled that, mmm, barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, and you think about all the smells that are possible, God being the author of smells, He being the originator, the creator of the smeller, it's His idea, and there's some good smells out there. I don't think any of the perfume makers today have anything on God as far as smells. And I'm kind of thinking maybe this isn't the top smell, you know, in existence in the universe. But this one smelled really good to God. Do you know why it did? It was because of the precious sacrifice that it came from. Something was of high value. There was not much left. There were very few. And yet, they were brought along on the ark. They were prepared in advance. They all set set the stage for the first thing for them to do after this big ordeal is we're going to worship God. We're going to honor Him. We're going to offer something up to Him as a sacrifice. The Lord smelled it. "Mm," And the Lord said in his heart... I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I don't know, but if you realize, there's a whole lot of good promise right there. And do not be worried at all. Do not you be concerned or be in fear about the world changing and the climate changing to such a degree where the earth becomes inhabitable. Like all the movies are made about. You know. And we're not going to live here. And the crops won't produce. And it'll be frozen, frozen ball or burning on fire. Not going to happen. As long as we're here. As long as the earth remains. Crops are going to grow. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, all these things are going to keep going on. And this is what the Lord said after this precious offering was given to him. Amen. So Noah made an offering, made some of the animals an offering, and God received it. When we think sometimes we can't afford something as far as giving to the Lord, That's when it is most precious to him. Now, look with me over uh, at 2 Samuel. Okay? 2 Samuel and chapter 24. 2 Samuel 24. In this situation, there was a... uh, Well, David made some mistakes, did some wrong things, and there was a great plague uh, that went throughout the land. People were dropping like flies, and people were dying. And the prophet came to David, the prophet named Gad, and he said this, verse 18, And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ar... I tried to get this right in the first service. Arana. Arana. Okay." You don't know how many times I've read that, and I have to stare at it each time. The threshing floor of Arna uh, the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. Now Arna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Arna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Then Arna said, Why? has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Arona said to David, let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are some oxen for burnt sacrifices and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Arna has given to the king. And Arna said... To the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Arana, no, but I will surely, look, buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. That is a powerful statement there. This is the heart of David. He said, because he has an opportunity. Let's get the sacrifice done. The prophet has spoken. Let's go make, bring the offering. But yet, he's not going to just go through the ritualistic requirements of it, not just strict obedience to the outward commandments. He said, no, if this doesn't cost me, I'm not going to pretend it's a true offering to God. If it's not something that, that, that costs me it's not of value to the Lord. David bought the, So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land and the plague was withdrawn from, from Israel. In other words, we could see this. In other words, the offering was received by God. It was accepted and God stepped in and said, we stop the plague. We're stopping this from happening. It was in connection to this offering being brought to him. If you were to go back to 1 Samuel 15, you would read about David's predecessor named Saul. Remember, King Saul had some issues. He had some heart issues, right? And and after they had uh, come back from a battle... The Lord had instructed them not to spare anything and not to keep the animals and all this, and, and, and Saul saved the best of this, uh, 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 of this battle, the best of the animals and so forth, and he brought them back, and the prophet confronted him. He said, what is this, you know, lowing of the sheep I hear? And, 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 and Saul, in his response, said, well, we saved some of these. We saved them so we can have an offering for the Lord. You know, he's tried to get around what he was commanded to do. He said, Well, we're gonna give it as an offering. We save the best so we can give it to God. In other words, we're gonna have an offering and we don't have to use anything of our own. We're gonna use theirs, we're gonna give theirs to God, we're not gonna give ours to God. That almost sounds like it plays out in politics today. Oh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give you what I have, but I'm going to make you pay. (laughs) But he was trying to, uh, you know, the heart wasn't there. There's Saul who says, I'll give something that's not mine, something that didn't cost me. These animals were sentenced to death already, so I'll give them. As opposed to David, he had an opportunity to give an offering to go through what he was required to do. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it if it doesn't cost me. Now, what are we doing? How do we approach the Lord? What do we give to Him? Does it cost us? Is there sacrifice involved? Is there a giving up of something that belongs to us? Is that in the equation, or is it just going through the motions and doing what we're supposedly required to do? What about, uh, uh, what about saving? Some might have the, the impression, the idea that if we're really spiritual, really have a good relationship with God, then we always give up everything for the Lord. So I give everything to, to God. Well, I want you to understand the big picture. You do not see through, in Scripture from beginning to end this idea that God wants His people to live off the bottom of the barrel. That's He wants you, whenever you have anything extra, whenever you have anything that would be called a blessing or called, uh, you know, an abundance in any way, that you should automatically just give it all away. You know, an individual told me that one time. He said, I don't think Christians should have anything extra. I think whenever they get something extra, they should give it away. Give it all away. And... Uh, I thought, well, what about sowing and reaping? If a person sows, they're going to reap, and they're going to have a bunch more. And if they give it all away, then they're going to have a bunch more, right? And he said, well, uh, yeah, but then they should give that all away. In other words, he was kind of coming at this basically like Christians shouldn't have anything, you know, above bare necessity. And, and that's not right. That's not the way our Father thinks. Religion might think that way. Keep everyone just at the bare minimum. You have to trust God every single day for your next bite of food. You know, like Israel in the wilderness give us our daily bread as opposed to an abundance that they were heading to in the land of promise where they were to land flowing with milk and honey. That was God's will. If you have to go through some daily things to get there, fine. But God's will is not that that we're living at the bottom of the barrel. We can live off the top of the barrel and stay full all the time. That would be a better scenario. Even that individual that was telling me that was a hypocrite, he was, because I saw him at a restaurant. <laughs> he could have survived off a loaf of bread at home. Would have, he would have lived. But people who oftentimes are condemning of others and saying, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't have this and, and all this kind of stuff, they're often hypocritical, because they're not living. They're, they, got some, they got an extra pair of socks they could probably give away. They only need one. <laughs> Here, here's my point uh, saving and having extra, that is a part of God's plan. In fact, let, let me read a couple scriptures to you along those lines. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 8 reads this way Go to the ant, the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. In other words, what does the ant do? Gets ready for winter, stores up, supplies up, has an abundance, and the ant is not, pro- not proposed there as something that we shouldn't learn from, but just the opposite. We should be as wise, as smart as the ants, and have things for the future. Yeah. See, that's a godly principle. It's a godly principle to have an abundance. Uh, Proverbs 13, reads, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Well, if a good man, a good person leaves an inheritance to his grandkids, obviously he didn't spend it all, and obviously he didn't give it all away. So I don't see that it's necessarily in this discussion of giving things of value that God is always requiring us to give all things that are in our possession away and that we're constantly without. I think that that, that's not the plan. We need to be led of the Spirit. Jesus only told one guy that, that rich young ruler who was trusting in his riches. He told him to sell all that he had and give, give to the poor and come follow him. But God's intention for him still would not have been that he would live broke the rest of his life. That's not, that's not the will of God at all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verse 2, uh, Paul writes here, "...on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come." He said, you ought to store stuff up, set stuff aside in order to give. One of the reasons God wants us to have an abundance and to live with a supply and to live with a storehouse and have an abundance is so we're ready at the drop of a hat to give or however He directs us. You see, if I'm living my life, and I realize some may be there, but just have a vision for more. If I'm living my life, and man, at the end of every week, I'm out, at the end, I'm just waiting for that paycheck and I don't have any more. I want you to know that God wants more for you than that. Yeah. He, he wants you to live at a higher level so that you can give and you can have an abundance to give. And if he leads you to give to an individual and pay someone's car payment or, you know, or pay their house off or whatever, buy them an island, uh, whatever, you, you can do that. Why? Because he's blessed you in abundance. Amen. And, and so I think we, we ought to think that way. I know with the church here, what we do is all, all the general tithes and offerings that, that, that come into the church, uh, what we do is we take the, the first 10% right off that. We practice the tithe. And that 10% goes into our giving account. And we don't touch it. We don't pay building payments or maintenance fees and salaries and any, any of that kind of stuff. No, that part we set aside and now we have a supply to give from. And we give to other ministries, and we give to the poor, and we give to missions, and we give to a lot of of things. But we do so because we prepare ahead of time. And if the Lord directs us to do it, we always have money in there, by the way. Why? Well, if the Lord directs us to do something, we can obey right then. The Lord shows us, here's here's something of of worth. Here's something of value. Uh, Write a $10,000 check to this ministry. Okay, we'll do it. Bam. And we can do it right then. Why? Because we're blessed. We live not off the bottom, but live off the top. Isn't that a better way to do it? See, this is God's way of thinking. So when we understand uh, His plan concerning our giving Him our best and offering something that is precious to us, it is of value to us, the end result of that is not poverty, the end result of God's financial plan is we are completely ready and prepared at the drop of a hat to be used of Him. And we enjoy life. Hallelujah. Right at the same time, if you have a savings account, if you have a retirement account, you have stocks, you have lands, if you have, you know, things of that nature, don't make them your God. Don't trust in their ultimate ability to provide for you. I mean, that's a real temptation is to think, well, hey, I'm set up. I've got this. I'm ready for years to come. I can handle anything that comes my way. We live in a volatile world. Okay? Am I saying don't do that? No, it seems to be wisdom. All right? But at the same time, everything could change in the drop of a hat around here. We're living in the last days, and things are blowing up all over the place, and they're going to keep blowing up all over the place, and the earth is going to shake, and all kinds of things are going to happen, and if our trust is just in what we're able to provide for ourselves, we're on very shaky ground. That's why. What do we do? We're going to worship God. We're going to offer Him our very best. We're going to keep Him on the throne of our lives and keep Him in that position and not let anything else take that place. And if you're not offering to God and giving Him of what is value to, valuable to you, you're not ready for the days to come. Wow, that was a strong statement, huh? Might be worth thinking about, huh? Amen. Now, whenever we talk about this subject, some, some individuals come at this with the take of, well, you have to talk about offerings and money and stuff, you know, to keep the church going. Keep the ministry going because, you know, I mean, obviously there's a natural side to ministry and, and it takes finances to do stuff. I, mean, I remember years ago, I had a relative uh, come into town. He'd never been to our church and, and he happened to come in on one Sunday where I was teaching, uh, not this message, but uh, something along the lines of giving and tithes and the offerings and that kind of stuff, uh, which, you know, if you've been around very long, it's not very, f- very frequent that I even do a series like this. And he came in and he was listening and he, afterwards he was talking to me saying that was great and he loved it and everything was great. But he kind of was, was making these statements like, I understand you kind of have to do that. You know, I understand that, you know, as a pastor, as a church, you have to talk about those things. It was kind of feeling bad for me. <laughs> that I had to address those subjects because they can be uncomfortable and, and so forth. And, but here's the thing. We do not talk about this type of thing Because of bills. If we had a $100 million in the bank today, everything was paid for, we had a plan for the future, we are set, we are laughing, we would still be having this teaching series right now. Right now. It is not about the stuff. It is about the worship. It is about the heart. It is about honoring God it is about doing things his way and seeing things from his perspective God is not impressed with money he's not impressed with things I mean he likes stuff his streets are gold and you know God, it's obviously of him but it is not about that from it is about our worship to him What we do here and what we do in our service is, is all about that. It's all about drawing near to Him and letting His life fill us. When you come to know Him, you count everything else in this world as dung. That's the way Paul put it. It's a bunch of nothing compared to your knowledge and relationship with Him. That's what this is about. That's what our offerings are about. They are about the relationship, giving Him that place in our lives. Then after that, of course, there's the natural side to it that you could say, well, it has to happen. Yeah, but again, we'd do it even if there were no natural needs. We would totally do it. Amen. Amen. I want to look at one more verse. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 I really get excited when I know that the Lord wants me to talk about a certain subject at a certain time too. I wouldn't necessarily pick this time of year to be teaching this. In my natural mind I wouldn't. I would wait and do it a different time, but I knew it was right, so I'm excited. Why? Because of what the Lord's doing in our hearts individually. And he's building up this spiritual house, living stone, spiritual house to offer things acceptable to him. And uh, I look forward to much uh, upgrade in what's happening around here. I'm thankful for the presence of God the way it is. And, uh, man, good things are happening. But, again, store up. Isn't that what Noah did? He prepared before the storm. Let's bring extra animals for the sacrifice afterward. That's what he did. In Philippians chapter 4 here, verse 18, Paul writes to the Philippian believers, the church there. He said, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. He said, I've got enough. I'm full. I'm taken care of. I am well supplied because you guys gave. Epaphroditus brought the stuff over. I'm set up. I'm, I'm ready to go here. Look what he added to that, though. This is the language with the knowledge of the Old Testament and those offerings that they did before. This brings that language. This is why he uses it. It makes sense to them. It should make sense to us. He said, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Think about it. They gave their money, their supplies, their stuff for Paul's use, And God could smell it. That tells me even the burnt offerings of old weren't all just about the barbecue, weren't all just about the smell. It was more of a spiritual smell than just the natural thing. They gave to Paul, and the Lord said, Oh, that smells good. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think if we, if we lack that revelation, we're missing out on a whole bunch of what's happening in the presence of God when we give from our heart, and we give things of value to Him. He's saying, oh, I like that. I, that smells good. I don't want to give anything that stinks, by the way, because I guess that would be possible, too, if we stay with the whole nostril thing here, right? Right? That I could give something that were not right like a saw, like a cane. I could give something and the Lord would go, oh, what is that? What's that smell? That's that pathetic offering. But they gave and the Lord smelled. Did the Lord actually receive it in heaven? In a sense, he did. In a spiritual sense, he received what they gave to Paul. It was well-pleasing to God. What if... We took a whole service and worshiped God. We just did that a few days ago in our believers meeting. The entire service, we sang, we shouted, we lift our hands, we rejoiced, we were glad. The whole service was no preaching. And usually you hear about that, you've been a part of that, you think, man, that was wonderful. That was glorious. That was just exciting. And others here, maybe they weren't a part of it, and they say, yeah, that's good. That's just an honorable thing to do, just to sing to the Lord and worship Him the whole service. What if the whole service were an offering? (laughs) I mean, would the average Christian go out out from a service like that and say, Oh, man, it was glorious. It was so wonderful. So thankful that they would do so. I mean, God was glorified with that service. Or would there be a temptation to say, Man, these people. I mean, they didn't, what, they weren't prepared? Didn't have a sermon? (laughs) All about the money. All they're doing is asking for money. All they're doing, huh? Which would be more likely? Which one comes from a place of revelation? Which one comes from a place of understanding the Lord? When you understand His heart, man, things shift. Man, things take a different priority. Man, they're different. And don't get me wrong, I've seen things in person, and I've seen things on television that made me want to puke in the way that I've seen people manipulate others and just present offerings and giving, all that kind of stuff. and They present it in such a way I think, ah, it just so sounds like they're trying to transfer money from someone else's pocket to theirs. I despise that. Blah, I hate it. I think God feels that way about it. It does not smell good coming up before him. I don't want to have anything to do with that, but I also don't want, you know, some things like that taint the reality of what God says. I want to be led by his revelation and not by what someone else did that was wrong or inappropriate. You with me on this? Okay. Never let it be. Excuse me. (laughs) Whoo! Uh, n- <laughs> <laughs> never let it, sorry, I'm did I wreck the rest of the service. <laughs> uh, n- never let it be in your heart that it's really a heart issue about stuff. And you wanting to hold on to stuff, but then it gets, gets expressed as, well, they do this, and I don't believe in this. And, and people use all this kind of stuff to cloud the real issue. Again, you and I individually stand before God. Let's get that right. Because if your relationship with God is not dynamic and amazing and powerful and life-giving and something you live for, then that's what the, pro- that's what the problem is. And that's what we want to fix. Amen. And when that's in order, I tell you, other stuff in life that people stress about and have fears and all kinds of stuff, that stuff starts dropping off. Starts dropping off when you get that in order. Amen. Father, today we pray. And we set our hearts on you. We set our minds only on you. For the blessing of the Lord is upon us now. And Lord, we seek to honor you and show you the great respect and worship that you deserve. Let us not be earthly-minded. Let us not be just mindful of the ways of man. But let us catch your heart, your desire, in how we conduct our lives and what we do with our stuff. As we offer our worship, our praise, our singing, our songs, our gifts, our finances, our lives to you. May it be acceptable and well-pleasing in your sight. Thank you for helping us today to see it, to understand your ways, and to know your will for our future. Thank you, Lord, for directing our steps now. You order our paths. You make it clear to us what we should do and where we should go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. Man, you feel that presence of the Lord? It's just so precious, so sweet. Man, you can tell. When fire comes down from heaven and burns up the sacrifice, God likes it. And when His fire and His presence come down and and saturates our lives and our minds and our service, oh, He likes it. Lord, we... We are thrilled and we live in your presence. It's what we value most. So thank you, Lord, for, for your spirit moving, healing bodies, setting minds free, giving direction, giving comfort to those who've made really bad decisions and they've gone the wrong way. Thank you for your grace and mercy to bring them back today. You love them. Your mercy is there, your kindness. You're not upset and not angry, but you're drawing them back home thank you for working in hearts now. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' precious name.